Hey yoga teacher, now is the time to make a much bigger impact in the world. You're listening to The Yogipreneur, a podcast for entrepreneurial yoga teachers who want to stop the hustle and overwhelm and instead create more income, freedom and success. I'm your host, Kelly McHugh, founder of Digital Yoga Academy, and I'm sharing business and marketing strategies to grow your community in a way that makes it easy to take action today. I believe that you have a unique message to share that your people need to hear. So let's get to it. So I'm here today with Annie Clark, and Annie is a London-based yoga teacher, a Lululemon ambassador, and the founder of The Practice, which is an online platform that brings the studio to you. So welcome, Annie, and thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. How are you? I'm really good, thank you. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty good today. Um, So I've been following you since the Mind Body Bowl days. (laughs) long time now share with the journey and how it's evolved so I'm going to try and keep it brief without uh sidestepping the cornerstones because a lot of the time when I try and summarize I forget some really pivotal parts of my journey um it's amazing what the brain kind of recalls what my brain recalls but um mind body bowl was kind of my first foray into um let's say wellness um and it's led me to something that's much more yoga focused but along the way um really it's always been a journey of finding a way to live a better life um a more connected uh more energized life um when i probably 10 years ago now I was suffering from a lot of chronic issues with digestion and energy and that sort of thing and I was turning to all of these different resources to try and make myself feel better none of them really made me feel much better for a sustained period of time and I realized that I was always seeking outwards Mm -hmm. and so I eventually realized that I was going to have to do the work myself and at the same time my connection to my yoga practice was building and I realized that that was becoming my sort of safe space for exploration and that's where I started to find the confidence to take on board the things that felt good trust my intuition and leave behind the rest so yoga was building as this bigger and bigger and bigger part of my life Mm -hmm. um I was working um Originally for Deliciously Ella, I was Ella's first employee many, many moons ago when the company was teeny tiny. Um, And then my role was split into three, none of them really being roles that suited me. Um, And Ella gave me the, the sort of kick that I needed to do something for myself. And I was absolutely terrified i had no idea what that looked like i was completely committed to being like the best right hand woman um at the company and suddenly i was faced with this sort of gaping chasm of opportunity (laughs) and working out what to do and so i turned into my practice and i kept going there and kept going there and kept going there and it led me to do a teacher training i had my kind of last bit of savings in my bank account and as cliche as it is and i'm sure that um, lots of people listening to this will um will sort of resonate with this or will share this experience but i thought it's now or never i've got this opportunity to do something for myself and then i'm gonna have to get a real job um and The minute that I stepped kind of into that yoga shala, I realized for the first time in a really long time, if not ever, that I felt at home and at peace and um, like things were aligning um, after spending a lot of time trying to fight and figure. and, um, And so having not really had any intention of becoming a yoga teacher, I suddenly decided that that's what I was going to explore. Um, And I spent a long time uh, trying to 
figure out what my voice was, what I wanted to share. It was at a time when yoga, particularly in London, was starting to get quite um, loud and big and busy and fast and sweaty. And it was really gaining momentum, but in this kind of um, quite London-y way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I spent a lot of time running around, burning out and, um, and it took a really long time to recognize what it was that I was going to offer as a teacher and, and what that was, was kind of what I offer to myself. Um, and it's an opportunity for people to really meet themselves where they are and uh, just and show up as they are. And I wanted to find a way to create that space. Um, and over time, I realized that really the best way to do that was by creating my own offerings. And so retreats, day retreats started to become a bigger, bigger part of my um, of my work. Uh, the opportunity to just go a little bit deeper with people was feeling really, really inspired and um and then i spent about a year building an online studio the practice thinking that it would be a way of connecting with those people that had shown up on retreats but then i didn't see for years because they were from the other side of the world and um and also for a way to access yoga without spending um you know 20 quid a class at a london studio um, and I spent a year building this this thing and we launched in um, on the 1st of January 2020 and three months later we went into lockdown and I wasn't sure if I had made had kind of the strongest intuition in the world <laughs> kind of preparing for that or had been a complete idiot for spending a whole year creating it because every other yoga teacher overnight managed to get themselves online (laughs) so I sort of on one hand I felt like I'd lost my USP and on the other hand I was in total awe that everybody else had managed to do it so quickly and so well I was like what took me so long um but anyway over the last year I've had the most incredible opportunity to grow my online studio to create this really beautiful community and to completely reconsider what it means to share the practice of yoga uh, because we've been doing it like this as so many teachers have Um, and through that I have been able to say hand on heart that I've taught with complete authenticity and integrity because there's been no external factors and it has been the most beautiful realization of kind of of my own intention um and so you know there's been a lot a lot of hardship and loss and grief over the last year but there has also been um huge growth um and i'm really grateful to have experienced some of that so that's amazing i love it you know you can really see how it's evolved over the years from what started as your kind of like healthy lifestyle food blog turned into a book and then you know it's like be all along it's been you sharing your journey and sharing it in a really like honest and authentic way you know how you've had your own health issues and how yoga and healthy eating and like lifestyle changes have really like impacted you positively looking back at everything then that journey that you've been on um You've been able to really grow your community around that. What do you think uh, have been like, what do you think has been the main factor in the growth of your community that you've seen? So I think the first, um, the first thing to say is, I think when we talk about community, we very often connect that to Instagram followers. Mm. And I want to make a really big distinction here because if I'm brutally honest with myself and with everyone, in those early days, the food stuff, the well-being industry being tiny, I mean, there was a time where it was really, you could count on two hands the people that you would consider as being part of the wellness industry in London. And it was so different growing an online following there. I... I remember when I was offered um, the book deal, which was a cornerstone I forgot to share. So thank you for reminding me. Um, 
when I was offered that contract, I remember sitting in the publisher's publisher's office and they were like, right, this is how quickly your Instagram's growing. So by the time that it the book comes out, if the if the trajectory stays the same, you'll have like 250,000 followers. And it suddenly in that time, the online space shifted enormously and it stagnated for me. And it, um, in terms of numbers, um, it definitely didn't stagnate in other ways, but in, you know, if we're talking numbers for a moment. And the reason that I share that is because if I think back to that time, what community looked like for me, I don't think I really knew. I had people showing up to my classes to whom I'm so grateful because they saw me go through such a, so, so many shifts. <laughs> um, but community was different and it, it was, I think sometimes we confuse numbers and growth on Instagram with community. I think it is a part of community, but I don't think it is the, they're not interchangeable, it's not the same thing. So now when I think of community um, and the community that I've built through the practice and my other online offerings, I, I launched a course midway through last year called The Art of Holding Space, which is like my baby. Um, what really surprised me is the way in which people have shown up, not just for themselves, but for one another and the support and the connections and the threads that have been woven through those spaces supported by facilitated by a digital landscape mm -hmm. but on a very human level that is the element of it that I refer to when I mean community when I say community yeah and so I just kind of want to I guess I want to just highlight that difference because if you look at my Instagram following, for example, it doesn't change anymore. In fact, recently it dropped quite a lot when I started thinking a little bit more, let's say, strategically about what and how I share. Um, remember, lots of these people started off following me as Mind Body Bowl, who was posting pictures of porridge. You know, <laughs> there's been a big change. If they're suddenly seeing what I'm sharing as a yoga teacher, it might not be important to them anymore. So I've really tried to detach myself, my ego from the idea that growing my community looks like growing a following on, on social media and instead thinking of like the depth of connection that we can create with that as a tool for doing so. Right. Um, so for me, when you, you know, when we, we talk about, and I, the reason I'm emphasizing myself here is just because I think we all have to figure it out for ourselves and what it means for us and what it looks like for us as individuals so I can only speak to my experience and and what I'm navigating but community is how we show up human to human and I'm I've seen so an, an extraordinary amount of that showing up and that space holding and that togetherness come through an online studio, which was something I always wanted to create, but wasn't quite sure how we would do it. Um, and bearing in mind, I have until about six months ago, never had any kind of strategy with anything in my business in fact I've only just got my head around the fact that it's a business and I have to take it quite seriously um, and I finally invested in some coaching and some support and I'm putting things in place now to make really to make my life easier as as life moves forward um, but this idea of growth of community was never really intentional other than to create a space that people feel um, held and supported and and connected in a human way um, and so we've been navigating that online which goes against every single fiber of my being and yet we've done it and we've seen it grow and I think it's really just the resilience of the members of the community and the willingness to show up and be in it that has allowed for that.
Yeah. Does that answer your question? Have I just gone on a bit of a heartfelt ramble? (laughs) I think what you've said is really important because a lot of teachers, they, when they think of community, they're thinking their numbers on Instagram. And I think, you know, if we are just trying to grow our community on Instagram, we're actually missing out on other platforms where your people might be hanging out, but also the community or the sense of connection that you can really foster yes. inside your offerings, like that's more yes. important. Like how are you actually showing up for your loyal students that are coming for you to your classes each week and focus on that, on those people, you know, instead of like the vanity metrics or the bright lights of Instagram. So it's really important that you said that. Um, but how are you... Um, what are you doing then inside the practice to actually kind of foster that sense of connection with the community? Because obviously right now we need that more than ever, you know, with all these multiple lockdowns, people are feeling so isolated and, and that connection is really key. Like, are there any kind of practical things that you've been doing inside the membership? Absolutely. It's definitely been an evolution. So when I when I launched the practice, I didn't really anticipate the depth of the need for that. Um, we all have always had a Facebook group, but it was pretty, pretty quiet. You'd need like a bit of a nudge to get people, um, people talking and sharing on there. And sometimes that is still the case. You know, everyone is different. People still don't necessarily like showing up in certain ways or don't feel so comfortable with it. But I realized that as we were becoming kind of more and more potentially isolated then I had to show up more for the community in order to invite them to do the same so I learned a lot from um, the art of holding space and the way that we forged that connection in in a more intimate group that I now try to use to kind of inform the way or um, guide the way that we that I connect with those on the practice so I realized the value of live offerings. Um, the The sweet spot of the practice was one of one of the things that I re- was very intentional was that all of the content was recorded. So I wanted to give people the the flexibility and the freedom to um, and you know ultimately minimize my um, diary obligations. You know I'd live for a world (laughs) a life where I'm not checking my diary that is like my dream (laughs) so um not completely but you know to to minimize my kind of my diary checking I wanted everything to be on demand and I realized that that wasn't going to be sufficient so we have live meetups we have um class practices I give them um discounted offerings or free options to attend other live things that I'm that I'm offering so that there is a way to feel that kind of in-person connection digitally Um, because yes they can do their yoga practice on demand but in terms of that community connection we have to be there in a a space together whether that's digital or physical Um, and the more I started doing that the more people wanted to share on the Facebook group and you know upload pictures of their practice or um, quotes from their own journals and their favorite books and when they do that I try and ensure that I respond wherever possible um, in a really encouraging way that kind of creates that invitation for other people to see that and be like well that's kind of a a celebrated interaction or that person shared and and everybody else you know commented and gave their offerings in in response and it started to it definitely shifted it when we when we had that live element and that was something I learned from from facilitating the art of holding space which was very much based around more live offerings um so that was one of them I think the other one was also drawing um inviting people to contribute in the development of it so you know now that there are so many ways to offer your services online um the the functionality of the practice needs to catch up um at the moment we're working on simple things like favoriting and filtering classes and stuff which are built into all of these software offerings but aren't built into how 
the practice was created. Um, so I'm inviting, I invite members in to that, those conversations and make them feel like they're a respected part of the development, like we're in this together and I want it to serve them the best I can. So let's learn from one another. Um, and I think kind of inviting them to be part of the evolution, like there are some people who are really proud to have been there since the beginning and they want to be a part of the evolution. Um, and that's really special. That feels a little bit like I've got a, a local yoga studio that people have been going to since the opening day and they want to kind of see you open the next studio or add the classes to your timetable. Um, so I think those are two things that I've been really surprised have made a really big difference. Yeah, I think that's really great. Definitely the live aspect is, is important for any kind of like online programme um, course membership um, to keep people going and to motivate to motivate people bring actually it's about bringing accountability as well you know I think people really need that right now but I think you know it's up to you as the yoga teacher to really kind of like encourage that and to actually you have to build that momentum up and it's almost like giving people permission to start sharing inside a Facebook group or wherever it might be. But I love the fact that you um, are involving your students in like the development of your product um, as it kind of moves forward. Can you talk to us a little bit more about how you actually first developed um, the platform? Like what went into that process? Like how did you, you know, bring all your eyes ideas together to like craft out exactly what the practice was going to look like absolutely so I think um as I said it was quite a long process mainly because I'm sure it existed somewhere but it definitely wasn't readily available the, the online offering in the way that I was my my kind of three things that I wanted to support people in was accessibility um so like timing and geography um i wanted to give them sort of access to uh classes to suit any level and any kind of energy level um and i wanted to hang on i've really made a meal of this these are like the three pillars that i work from and my mind's gone entirely blank um it's like time <laughs> geography <laughs> and uh and money those are the three so like time money uh, time geography and money so practice what when you want for as long as you want to wherever you are without having to spend a lot of money for the privilege to do so those were kind of my three things um and i spent a long time trying to work out the best way to do that a big issue when doing that is actually your personal resources so investing how to work out how it makes sense because if you're having you know if you're producing videos you've either got to learn to film and edit them yourselves or pay somebody to do that now i have gone through all of those i've done the my partner um is a video editor um not anymore but he he has the skill set to support me on that um and uh every time that i filmed on my own something would go wrong and i found it hugely frustrating so i knew that i needed to pay somebody to help me um and i was very lucky that i could draw on will to sort of help me get off the ground but one thing that came became very clear was particularly once lockdown happened living together working together <laughs> having like dinner together and also the poor guy having to watch me do the flows and then edit them it was not a good that was not a good thing for us and it was certainly i couldn't live putting him through that it was like he would never want to speak to me ever again if we carried on so so there was you know it, it's evolved and it now looks quite different to how we started but in that beginning bit one of the first things i asked myself is like how once i got clear on what i what i was trying to solve and what i wanted what my offering looked like mm -hmm. how was i going to do it in a way that i knew that i could keep showing up because if people were going to be on i was terrified of offering a monthly subscription because what if and it had happened a lot of times before 
the memory card failed and all of the flows that I'd filmed disappeared or for whatever reason, I didn't have a class to give them. And so I really had to consider and sit with what I was prepared to commit to at a time in my life where I was feeling particularly commitment phobic. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's part of the reason that it took me so long. I also rebuilt my entire website to facilitate it. But as I mentioned before, there was a lot of functionality that I hadn't considered just because I'd done my research, but there weren't really many offerings out there. Um, certainly none with the kind of um, functionality that you can find on, on the software that is built for this purpose now. And so there was a, an initial uh, investment in both fine um, finances and time that I had to really kind of gear myself up for which gave me the opportunity to get really clear in what I was offering and to really tap into kind of my authenticity and make sure that this was a space where I could really share what was right to share and that I wasn't being kind of drawn into something that I thought might sell better and yeah. um, so that was kind of it was quite a long process and then all of a sudden in like october i was like right we're doing this we're launching in january it just has to get done and we filmed i think for january february and march um will then had to kind of slog getting all of it filmed while the web designer was getting the website built um, and i was trying to figure out how i was actually going to get anyone to sign up um and then and then we launched and people did sign up and we just kept getting better. So the videos that didn't look so good, I really wanted it to be quali high quality. So what could I do to make the quality better? Like, what did I need to invest in? What did I need to let go of? And it's been, yeah, this continuous process, which is why we're always still looking to make it better. And I suppose you could call that kind of keeping competitive I don't think of it like that like I just really really want to offer the best possible thing that I can to meet people where they are and if developing and changing and shifting things is necessary in order for that to happen then that's what that's what I've got to do yeah um, it's part of the process isn't it you just and also, if you have your mindset is like that, so you know that you're just going to continuously develop and improve, it helps you to get through that kind of um, block that might keep you stuck as in like, oh, it has to be perfect before it goes out. You know, it's like we actually we need to just take action, get on with it as you did. You know, you're like, right, come on, guys, this is happening in January now. And you know that you can start, you get it out there and you can just keep making it better as you go along and obviously get that totally. feedback to, to support. You said something, you touched on something and it was about, um, uh, you know, what is the problem that I solve? Like, what is, thinking about your students, I guess. Can you talk to us a little bit more about that in terms of like the um, content <laughs> itself or like the themes, the topics? what you're actually exploring inside of the practice and how you're really supporting people with, with you know, the challenges and problems that they're facing. Yeah, absolutely. So this actually touches um, on at time of filming something that I shared yesterday on my social media, because when I first started practicing yoga, I was sold this dream that if I if I worked hard enough at anything, there was no posture that was out of my reach. Now I have got lots of different quirks in my body. I've got a leg that's longer than the other. I've got really deep hip sockets, which means that there are so many poses that my body will never look, rephrase that, that I will never kind of perfect in the way that we're sold it. So what yoga has been for me has been, a, firstly, a massive kind of circle in terms of thinking this is what I'm aiming for is just to get better and better and better to get more flexible to get more to to realizing that that was all a massive ego trip and then there was something when I let go of when I realized that that wasn't ever going to be possible for me 
what really was this practice because something was still keeping me on the mat and I, it's that bit that I really want to inspire people to connect with and yeah. but this whole idea about meeting people where they are which is something that I must have said thousands of times this year because I've really felt it we we don't all come to the mat at the same time with the same set of circumstances the same bodies you know we all know that and it's really about for me meeting somewhere where they are in in their journey of of life of practice and offering them something right and allowing them to feel empowered to trust in their practice and so I didn't want to create a space that spoke to the fashionable um, impression that we have of yoga. I wanted to find a way to take this beautiful, sacred practice that has been placed lovingly in our hands by our teachers and find a way to pass that forward in but to meet somewhere where they are, not in the way that I think they should receive it, but in the way that they're ready to receive. And so the idea of the practice is it doesn't matter if you're new or much more experienced with yoga, there was always something there because we can come back to the same class again and again and again and find something new. And because we're listening differently at different times and we, you know, we come with different filters. And so I've, created my offering in a way that each month there is an intention so that the offer is there for you to look for something beyond the physical elements of our practice which you know we know is just a teeny tiny speck of it but it's the pathway through which a lot of us arrive to it mm. so I wanted to create something that was accessible enriching, nurturing, and just didn't make people feel shit about themselves if they couldn't do something. Yeah. Because I've been there and I've been through that process and I I want to give people permission for their practice to look like whatever it looks like and to feel like whatever it does. But to give them a sort of a richness and a depth that sparks or speaks to an existing curiosity um, for a depth to their practice that, that comes beyond the asana. And then for the, the big bit at the end of that is for them to find ways to carry that into their daily life. So all of the intentions that we share are about exploring something on the mat that enrich, enriches life beyond it. I love that. And I love also that, you know, it's about you've experienced it for yourself. So it's actually come from your own personal story, your own personal journey, and people really connect with that. And, you know, as yoga teachers, we hear a lot about um, finding our voice, you know, finding our true authentic teaching voice. Can you share the challenges that you face personally in like finding your voice and not just in the studio, but, but online and how you've been able to kind of really get over the fear of sharing and owning your voice online and your Absolutely. message essentially. Yeah. So I felt a real sense of freedom being online because I really am not playing to anybody else's rule book. I get to choose what I share. I spent, I've taught, if I was to sort of list all the studios that I've taught and left in quite, you know, quite quickly, it probably wouldn't do me very many favors. <laughs> um, I remember a teacher saying to me um, years ago, like you have to have been teaching at the same studio for at least five years to fit to to fight you know to to say that you that you're a real teacher or some nonsense like that and I kept leaving studios because they just weren't re like resonating with me like I just didn't fit it didn't feel right and I felt like I had to teach something that wasn't authentic um but actually that process was amazing because I would teach classes and recognize what did and didn't feel authentic and the the minute that I realized 
that I didn't have to be anybody else when I was teaching, people really started staying, coming back to my classes. <laughs> and it's so funny that we'd, I thought, you know, in order to, to have busy classes, you had to teach like the teachers with busy classes. You don't, you, your magic is you. And as it's not as easy as just saying that moment that you realize that, because it doesn't happen in a moment. It's a process and, and we're all still figuring it out. And I'm, I'm sure that in 20 years, what I share and teach will be completely different perhaps to now. Um, but it has, you know, it's been this really amazing process being online because all of that is gone. Now the difference is we've suddenly got to build this confidence to teach in a totally different way. Now I was a, I was very committed in my teaching in person, not to demonstrate everything. As I mentioned, I've got sort of quirks in my body, tendencies, injuries. I, the first time I got injured as a teacher, I realized the importance of my vocal cues and how teaching with my voice and my energy and, and the way that I can hold space didn't come from demonstrating poses. Because also there were, you know, people in my classes who body, whose bodies were entirely different to my own and I wasn't teaching them by demonstrating. So I'd already sort of developed that and I had already been filming quite a lot of sort of YouTube things. So I guess I had that kind of a little bit of experience to carry with me. But we everything went on Zoom and I started demonstrating everything again. I was like, what am I doing? I've like reverted back to when I first did my initial teacher training. And it's like all my confidence in cueing people verbally had disappeared. And so I made a really strong commitment, at least for a while, to sit just like this when I'm teaching on Zoom, because then I'm teaching the people that I can see. When I film for the practice, I set up my mat, I'm demonstrating everything, that's that. But when I'm teaching a live class, people are there live for a reason and I wanna teach them, not the random screen. Um, and now I do a mixture of both because sometimes when, you know, to sort of feel the energy and to kind of navigate that and, and, and direct it, Sometimes it can be fun to be doing it with them. And um, it really depends what, you know, I, I try to teach quite intuitively. I don't set sequences or anything. So it really depends class to class. But that was an, a whole new element to teaching that we all have had to learn again. Um, and I think it's really, I feel very grateful that I had a little bit of experience before that supported that, but I, I have so much admiration for every teacher that has given it a go and shown up imperfectly and with Zoom fatigue, through the Zoom fatigue and still held space because yeah. it's really hard. It's really hard and you don't, like I, I always encourage people to keep their cameras on um, because the energetic feedback for me is just different when I can see people. Yeah. Um, and not you know it's not it's, I'm not strict about it but again they get more when they do um and we've yeah we've had to we've had to learn to teach in ways that are completely other to how our experience has taught us to teach mm. um yeah, yeah so it's been a it's been a journey it's interesting isn't it like um you I guess what you were saying there that you reverted back to the teaching part and I think part of with the energy, you know, we're not in a room with people where you're kind of feeding off the energy, you're walking the room and, and talking, and then it's like adapting again, isn't it? And again, it comes back to that connection, isn't it? How you can really foster that connection in, in a Zoom room with people. Yeah. It takes a bit of time and transition, which is, yeah. And I mean, you know, what you said right at the very, very beginning, you know, I was just gobsmacked as well last year, you know, the speed of, the teaching community and how they got themselves online. And, you know, for years I've been with Digital Yoga Academy, yeah. 
you know, come on, guys, you need to get yourself online. And, you know, I'd hear things like, oh, it's too difficult, the tech, all of these excuses. And then all of a sudden, there was no time for any of those excuses. You know, that transition just happened, which was amazing to see. So any final words then, any kind of like advice for teachers who are wanting to, you know, maybe they've been in their Zoom class schedule for the last year and they've been perfecting that. And I kind of feel like that's kind of like phase one, let's say. How do they then, any advice for like moving into other offerings, online courses, memberships and so on? So I think one one thing that I definitely think I could have considered earlier on is how useful every single class that I teach on Zoom would have been to contribute to the practice library as kind of extra classes. Now, as I said before, my membership, I really want the class quality to be really high in terms of the sort of production. So the lighting and and I do demonstrate everything on the mat. So not every class is going to translate, but a really simple way of doing it is is having for example your laptop here you're teaching your class and then also having a second camera so i just i just bought the um we were renting cameras all the time for the practice and instead i just we realized that over the course of the year it was much cheaper to buy two new iPhones so my partner and I have one each and I <laughs> swipe his from his desk when I'm coming to film and um I yeah I, I won't go into the whole production side we can save that for another time but um but having it you know having another camera to film whatever you're doing so that you've just got that if you ever need it or you've got clips for social media and that kind of thing you can you can make it very you can make it complicated but you can also do things like that very simply that give you that sort of database. And even if that's, you know, adding a line to your website that says missed class, click here to download the class recording, five quid or, you know, half the price of the the class that you offered, but you give someone access for, you know, even on Zoom, you can do that with a limited time. So there's, there's ways that you start to that you can start to create an income that doesn't relate exactly to the time that you put in and I think as a yoga teacher that if you can find ways to do that it gives you the space and the freedom that you need to rest but to keep learning like we have so much to learn like when we think that we've you know spent the last year not going necessarily necessarily to lots of other classes or to trainings and yet I mean the flip side we've had a lot of it online but it's so important to keep practicing and to keep learning as a teacher because your students are going to catch up right and you've got to you've got to be able to keep offering them something in more depth and so finding ways to generate a little bit of income to support that will free it frees up the time right so recording the classes that you're already doing and recording short classes to share as packages or as memberships i mean squarespace my website's built on squarespace squarespace now has a built-in membership option yeah they didn't they didn't have that before i use member space at the moment i'm, I'm shifting things around at them but Member space has been great. It's been a way of giving people access for recurring, um, you know, monthly recurring revenue that has then allowed me to take the space where I need to to train whilst still paying my bills and keep it simple. Like start with what you're already doing, get comfortable with that and then add something in and then get comfortable with that. If we look at this big picture and think, right, I want to have a membership with videos happening every week or every month and this and that and that, you're suddenly gonna feel pretty overwhelmed. So finding those ways, like don't be scared of taking incremental steps. Yeah. I was really crippled by that. It's one of the reasons the practice took so long to go live because I thought it had to be this incredible thing that would never change because it was just so good. 
And then I realized until it was something, it was nothing. So make it something and then just get better. And the getting better will happen naturally. You don't have to force it. Like when we, when we allow it to flow, it's you're going to direct in a natural direction rather than in the direction that you think you should be in. Mm. Um, so that kind of step-by-step approach, even if you don't know where your steps are leading you, people are so forgiving. Mm. You know, the amount of times that classes were meant to have gone live on the practice but there was some glitch because we put the wrong url in or something mm-hmm. they they want to see you do well people want you to succeed yeah so don't be scared about showing up imperfectly like put a member space up a members area up of your website if that works for you but if not just get comfortable put some stuff on youtube or film some stuff yeah and delete it just get comfortable yeah. and and then add to it. Yeah, I love that. Um, I have got another question, actually, and it's to do with, um, you know, actually building the community that you've got in the practice. Like, have you got any kind of like success stories from that or things that have really worked in terms of bringing new members in? Yes. So I... So six months into the practice, I started working with a business mentor, um, which was the first time that I'd ever spent real money in my business. And it was one of those like <gasps> decisions, but it felt it felt right. Um, and she's been really supporting me in trying to take the pressure off, like selling all the time, like always trying to but keep keep it growing without feeling like I'm sort of hard selling all the time. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I'm, I'm doing, and, and again, it's worth saying this has come after I've had this element of my business for a while. So I've built up a little bit of cash to invest in it. And, you know, you don't, this is what I mean about it being incremental. Like none of this would have been accessible to me at the beginning, mm-hmm. but one thing I wish I'd done sooner was more free trials. So I now have a seven day free trial as standard because if you're gonna offer a free trial, people are gonna click on it, right? They, they, they wanna, if they wanna know more, they've got nothing to lose. Um, and I was really scared about a free trial rolling into a paved membership. So I have an email sequence that is now going out that means the day before it's going to turn into a membership they're warned about it so i don't feel like a bad person they've done their free trial a really great bit of advice that i was given was that someone needs to try something twice to know that it's good so my three-day free trial wasn't that good at converting people into members because they probably signed up maybe did one class quite possibly didn't do any because they didn't get time in those three days over seven days you're giving people the opportunity to probably give it a good go twice or at least have a decent look around so the free trial giving and and that is not to say give loads of stuff for free everywhere i'm a big campaigner for not devaluing our work as a collective Um, and we have you know there's a space and a time for free stuff but we also have to value our offerings in order for other people to value them so free a free trial i wish i'd done that sooner that would have been amazing that would have seen growth much earlier on um but that's something that's been really um i've seen a very quick shift in what that's done um and then nurturing people. So the way that they, when they're going through that, that series having, and this is so your area and not mine, Kelly, but you know, nurturing people through the way that you're communicating with them, checking in on them. And I didn't know this, but it can all be automated. You know, it doesn't, doesn't mean that you have to send them all their email. And uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm now have somebody helping me do that. But I didn't know all this stuff at the beginning. And if I had, it would have grown so much faster. So checking in with people, giving them a good opportunity to try it yeah. and 
if they didn't like it, like I, I never read the email saying that people have signed up. I always read the ones that are people's cancellations. And in fact, my wonderful um, assistant deals with a lot of the kind of day-to-day -day, um, queries on the practice, but I only access the inbox to look at the cancellation messages, to find out what it was yeah. that meant they didn't stick around or that they didn't didn't decide to, to stay there because that's where our potential to grow and develop that community comes from um like take the time to learn about the people that are there like when you're whether you're in a live session or in you know a community space ask people like to be asked about themselves make them feel valued um offer them stuff you know make them feel like it's special to be a part of it whether that's a membership or you know whatever it is it's what we do so well as teachers in a physical space and that doesn't that doesn't change so just finding ways to strengthen the community in whatever way you can they they'll then start to strengthen themselves or the community starts to strengthen themselves and if you have a couple of people that you can rely on to always start the conversation or share them. Make sure you're nurturing them because they're going to hold that community up when you can't. I love all that. So good. And it just, I can really see like listening to you. It's like, it is that incremental approach and it works, you know, like you don't have to, it doesn't have to be perfect. Get it out there, listen, adapt, grow it. You, you discover things that are working like automated email sequences and <laughs> things as you go through this journey. And it's part of, it's part of the journey, isn't it? It's this learning. It is. I always say, I always say to my students inside my program, you know, treat your business like a laboratory. Don't be afraid to get messy and see, you know, things don't go to plan. That's okay. Learn from it and just keep going. So thank you so much for sharing with us today. And I really can't wait to just see the practice go beyond here. And I'm sure you're going to have huge success with it, Annie. So well done. And yeah, keep, keep doing what you're doing because it's amazing. Thank you so much. Thanks, darling. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. You've been listening to the Yogipreneur podcast brought to you by Digital Yoga Academy, the leader in business and marketing education for yoga teachers worldwide. And if you loved what you learned today, please subscribe, rate and give us a review. And remember that learning is nothing without taking action.